let's share God's word together uh, from Isaiah 55, invitation to the Thursday. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread, and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return to it without watering the earth, and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So is my word that goes out from your mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all of the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thornbush will grow the juniper, and instead of the briars the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. We give thanks to God for his word and how it speaks to us today. Thank you so much to Joanne. Um, I'm just sitting thinking, um, we're, we're coming off the back of a, a series where we've looked at, that our, at our vision as a church to be a people who go deeper, grow closer and reach wider. I'm just so conscious this morning that that we're going deeper um, as we open up God's Word and as we worship Him. Um, Sam mentioned that phrase of reaching wider with our shoebox appeal. Um, and as Joanne has led us in prayer so wonderfully, um, so beautifully, Joanne, um, so compassionately, um, you're encouraging us. Um, God, the Lord, is encouraging us to grow closer as family. And that is what we want to be as a church. We're big, we know that, but we want to grow closer um, as a family together. So thank you so much to Joanne for that. Okay, last week, if you were here, um, we, or maybe you weren't here, we kicked off a, a new series called Blessing Begins With Hunger. Blessing Begins With Hunger. 
And we looked last week at Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. We're to hunger and we are to thirst for righteousness. We said last week that righteousness refers to at least three things. It refers to the righteousness that is already ours in and through the work of Jesus. His righteousness is upon us. We're made righteous through his finished work. So it is that that we seek. It's his righteousness. But it's also, secondly, our desire, the desire of our hearts to be holy as he is holy, to pursue holiness, the holy heart of God. And then thirdly, as we seek his righteousness, as we hunger and thirst for that, we ought to have a desire within us to see God's righteousness and his justice make a difference within the world within which we live. We want to see the righteous kingdom of God come. We want to see the justice of God come here on earth as we seek his righteousness. During the week, um, I picked up this wonderful little gem. It's an old book um, called The Price and Power of Revival by Duncan Campbell. Um, Lessons from the Hebrides Awakening. Um, you'll have heard me refer um, to these great awakenings, these spiritual renewals and revivals. And this is a wonderful little book actually based on four talks that Duncan Campbell gave, uh, gave many years ago um, at the Keswick Convention. Um, and here's what Duncan Campbell writes in one little part um, of this book. You can imagine how excited I was to read this just on Thursday evening. He writes, oh, how true it is that hunger, real hunger creates a capacity for God. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the reason why we are not filled is simply because we are not hungering after God. We may be hungering after other things, but not after righteousness. I was excited when I read that because I thought we're onto something. We're onto something. Remember last week we finished by saying that, that the gap is the gift that there is a gap, if we're honest, between where we want to be in our hunger for the Lord and where we currently are. If we're honest, there's a gap. And the gap is an invitation for us to step closer into all that the Lord has for us. The gap that exists is an invitation for us to ask God to give us a greater hunger and thirst for his righteousness, for his presence, for his word for all that he would have for us as his people. We also challenged ourselves and we said, let's be honest, we're too full to be hungry. We're too full of other things to be hungry. I think Duncan Campbell is saying that. He's saying in that moment that we're, hung we're hungry for all kinds of other things. But when we pursue those things, we fill ourselves up and we're not hungry for the Lord. We're not hungry enough, thirsty enough. We're too full to be hungry. The gap is the gift. The gap between where we currently are and where we want to be is a gift from God because into that space, the Lord invites us, invites us to step closer into all that he would have for us, to pray for a hunger and a thirst like perhaps we've never had before. So this morning, we're in Isaiah 55. Um, what a wonderful passage of Scripture, Isaiah 55. 
Um, some context first before we get into some of the detail. In the book of Isaiah, in chapters 49 to 55, we're, we're introduced to a, a figure called God's servant. He will be the fulfillment. The servant figure will be the fulfillment of everything Israel, God's people, have failed to do. His mission will be to restore the people of God back to God himself. And he will become a light to the nations. The servant that we read of will be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yet we're, we're told in Isaiah that he will be, he will be rejected by, by many. He will be beaten and the servant will be killed by his own. And then we come to Isaiah chapter 53, that suffering servant passage where we see the suffering of the servant of God. And we reveal that the servant will die. He will suffer a cruel death and die on behalf of the sins of the world. But his death would be a sacrifice of atonement that would make a way for sinful people to be brought back into relationship with God, for a sinful people to be made righteous again in the Lord's sight, to be made right with God. It's the work of the servant. The servant will bring glorious salvation to all who will receive him. Of course, the servant, the suffering servant, is the Lord Jesus. Messiah Jesus, the longed-for Son of God, the longed-for Messiah, God's anointed one. He is the suffering servant. And when we reach Isaiah 55, we're presented with what I believe is a beautiful invitation it's a beautiful invitation in light of all that the servant has done for us. The finished work of the servant invites us into what I'm going to call a banquet for the human soul, for all who trust in him, for all who surrender to his lordship, for all who will live in light of the servant's work on our behalf. We're invited in to this beautiful banquet for the human soul. And so I want to look at that this morning. Three things I want us to consider from Isaiah 55. There are more than three things. I just have three. Here they are. Number one, I want us to think about the one before whom we come. The one before whom we come. It's all over Isaiah 55. Secondly, I want to think about the blessings that he brings to us as we seek him, as we thirst for him, as we long for him, the blessings that he brings to us. And then thirdly, the invitation that is presented is to come. But it's not just to come. The invitation is to come thirsty and hungry to the banquet that the Lord puts before us as his people. To come hungry and thirsty. So the one before whom we come. If you have your Bible open, follow down through this. Some beautiful truths about the one before whom we come. He is, verse 5, look at verse 5. He is the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. This is the one before whom we come. He is the Lord your God, the only one, the only Lord and King. He is the one before whom we come, the Lord God Almighty. And we've already been singing this morning about his great name. Verse 7, we read that he is, although he is Lord, although he is majestic over all things, verse 7 says that he is merciful Offering pardon to those who turn to him. Isn't that good news? Um, that he is merciful. That he will pardon those who come to him. Praise God that that's who he is. He is the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, but he is merciful. 
He is also, verses 8 and 9, way above what the limitations of our finite little human brains can manage to comprehend. Just look at verses 8 and 9. Here's what we read. The Lord says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Have you ever wondered why sometimes we can't wrap our heads around everything that we read in the Scriptures or even just what it means to follow the Lord or, or to know Him more intimately? It's because we have a finite mind. We cannot understand or comprehend everything here on earth about the Lord, about His character, about who He is. His ways are higher than ours. Sometimes we wonder why things happen to us on earth. We have questions. We have questions about why we go through certain seasons of the soul, why life can become very difficult. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are loftier than any of our thoughts. We, we cannot fully grasp the mind of God and what God might be doing in any given season within any of our lives. One commentator writes this. He says, a saving relationship with God depends not on our complete understanding of what he has done, but it depends upon our complete acceptance of his word. So if you're sitting here this morning, and you're maybe a skeptic, maybe you're skeptical of this whole Christian thing, maybe you um, are unsure of what this all means, or you're maybe sitting on the fence somewhere, you haven't fully committed and you're kind of sitting thinking, you know what, I'm not going to fully believe or, or commit to this God until I know everything there is to know about him, until I have it worked out in my head, until I have it logically worked out. If that is you, I would say give that up. Just give it up. Give that pursuit up. You do not need to completely understand him, okay? You do not need to completely understand him before you fully accept him. Come as you are. Come with your mind where it is. Come with your heart where it is and surrender to him fully. It's an impossible task to fully grasp the mind of God. If the pursuit of logic and understanding is holding you back from fully trusting in him, then let go. I would urge you to let go of that pursuit. His thoughts and his ways are far above our ways We'll never fully understand them. And so rather than trying to understand God fully, as his people were called to trust him completely, rather than understand God fully, we're urged to trust in him completely. Isn't that what we call faith? That's what faith in God is. That's a little bit about who he is. What about the blessings that God brings? Just look at verses 2 and 3. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? That's in line with what we said last week. Why? Why spend your money on what is not bread? Why give yourself to every other pursuit in life that will not fully satisfy the way that only the Lord can? Too full to be hungry? You'll never be satisfied. It's this very same thought here in Isaiah 55. Then the Lord says, listen, listen to me. 
eat what is good. Eat what is good. And you will delight in the richest affair. Do you hear that? Eat what is good. What God has for us is good. We believe that about our Heavenly Father, don't we? What he, what he has for us is good. It's the richest affair. What God wants to feed us on is the very, very, very best of food. Then the Lord says, give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. And so we're reading here of the blessings of God that he, he will feed us and satisfy us, that his word is good for us, that he will lead us into life in all of its fullness and his promises for us are everlasting. This is true blessing. This is what it means to be blessed in the Lord. On down in verse 12, then we read that, that when we turn to him, when we listen to God, when God's word does its work within us, remember the word of the Lord will not return empty. The word of God is alive and active. It will penetrate our hearts. The word of God will do its work within us. God's word never returns empty. It will always work within our hearts. And right now, the word of God, I pray, is doing its work within our hearts. The word of God will do its work within us. And whenever God's word does its work within us, when we turn to him, when we listen to him, when we seek him in his presence, we will go out in joy and we will be led forth in peace. Joy and peace will be our experience. I mean, who doesn't want joy and peace? Unless you're a miserable person. Unless you're a real miserable I don't really, I better watch what words I use, unless you're just miserable. The Lord wants you to walk in joy and peace. It's his desire for you and for me that we would go forth in peace, that we would go forth in joy, that his joy and peace would resonate within our hearts. This is blessing. This is the blessing of the Lord. Verse 13, if you're following along, tells us that where there was once thorns and briars, that's a very clear reminder, by the way, of the curse of the fall. Thorns and briars and all those horrible plants are there all around us because of the fall of mankind. But where there were once thorns and briars, we read that there will be now junipers and myrtle trees. Thorns and briars are horrible bushes. They're horrible. I hate thorny bushes. They are the curse of every 20-pound football. On a side note, our last months had thorns and briars over the fence, responsible for the death of multiple footballs. They, every time a ball went over that fence, gone, pop, another 20 pound down the tubes. Um, that was our last months. The Carmoney months has thorns and briars inside the fence. <laughs> for goodness sake, responsible for the death of multiple, multiple footballs. I'm about... 750 quid down on footballs. I'm not joking. Because of horrible, nasty thorns and thistles and thorn bushes. They're horrible things. Nasty. But apparently, and I'm no agriculturalist by any means, but apparently junipers and myrtle trees are beautiful. They're beautiful trees and they're very, very useful Thorns and briars are horrible, nasty, but junipers and myrtles are beautiful. 
You see, the picture that Isaiah wants to give us, that the Lord wants to give us in Isaiah 55 is clear. God takes away the nasty, the ugly, the cursed. Okay? The Lord takes it away. He deals with all that is ugly and nasty and cursed. And he replaces it with beauty and with splendor. It's the heart of God. This is what life in Christ will bring. This is blessing. The Lord brings the ugly things of life into beauty. The Lord makes dead things come to life. The Lord takes all that was lost and he brings us once again into a place of fullness and joy in his name. It's who he is and it's what he does and it's all verse 13 for the Lord's renown, for the fame of his name, for his glory, that we would exist for the praise of his glory as his people. It's the blessings that he brings. What about the invitation to come? See, the invitation to come four times in the first three verses, we're told to come to the servant, to Jesus. But not just to come, we must come thirsty and hungry to him because we know that only he will satisfy. Remarkably, I think this is stunning. The invitation is to come with those without money. With those, for those without money. Because the invitation to come carries no cost, as in we don't have to pay a penny for God's best. Are you really thankful for that this morning, that the gift of salvation for all that Jesus has won for us comes without a cost for us? We freely receive. The invitation to the great banquet of the soul is offered to us freely. All we're asked to do is come Come hungry and come thirsty to the table. You see, the feast of the Lord that we're invited to come to is free of charge, but it does not come without the greatest cost. Because we know that the servant who invites us to come is the servant who suffered death, who gave himself for us. He paid the price with his own life so that we could come. It was the only way that we could come to the table. It's the only way that we can come to the Father is through the ultimate sacrifice of God the Son. And we're called to come hungry and thirsty. How could we not come hungry? Just contemplate all that Jesus has done for you again this morning. Consider what he has given for you. Consider that he who knew no sin, the sinless Son of God, would become sin for us. He would take upon himself the sins of the world. That he would hang and die humiliated for us. That he would die an atoning death on our, death on our behalf. And because of what he has done for us, the invitation is to come. It's to come hungry. Come, come, Come to Jesus. Keep coming hungry and thirsty for all that he has for you. Isaiah 53 verse 5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. 
By his wounds we are healed. And so the invitation is to come and feast. It's free of charge. Come. Come to Jesus. Come and eat and drink and be satisfied. Dave Mathis, um, author, he writes of Isaiah 55. He says this, God compares the true satisfaction of soul that he offers to the substance and sweetness of three beverages, water, milk, and wine. If you look in the passage, you can see this. Water for life, he suggests. Milk for strength and wine for joy. Water for life, milk for strength and wine for joy for joy, water, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. It's the invitation God puts to us, come to the waters, come to the living water that will bring life to your weary body, come thirsty, come panting to the waters, come and be spiritually hydrated. Psalm 63, David writes, God, you're my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you, God, beheld your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will be fully satisfied, David says, with the richest of foods and with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. You see, water brings life. I desperately want to be part of a life-giving church, a people among whom the life of God is present, that when people walk in here, Wow, there are streams of living water flowing from these people, from that guy at the front who speaks week in and week out, from, from those who lead us in worship, from those who come up and, and read the scriptures, those who pray. Among the pews, there's living water here. We would be a church full of streams of living water because water brings life. Come thirsty, that we would be a really, really thirsty church what about milk? Why mention milk? Well, milk brings strength. Just like babies need milk to strengthen their little bodies and help them to grow, so Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 that like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk. He says that you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. I wonder, are we growing stronger? Because we're feeding off the milk that the Lord brings. Water brings life, milk brings strength, and wine brings joy. Now, we know the dangers of drinking too much wine. I'm not going to go into all of that this morning. Don't get drunk. It's always been sinful, and it always will be, bottom line. That's what the Bible says. But in the Scriptures, wine is also associated in Old Testament language with joy with gladness. And it's into this three-beverage menu that God presents wine because he's pointing to the blessing of joy when we come into his presence. We're presented with the water of life. We're presented with milk for strength. And we're presented with the wine of joy. That's what God wants to give to us as his people. He wants to lead us into life. He wants to strengthen us for the long haul for the rest of our lives here on earth. And he wants us to be full of joy, full of joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is the strength of his people. 
Psalm 16, verse 11, the psalmist writes, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 21, verse 6, surely you have granted him unending blessings and made him glad with the joy of your presence. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. There is joy in this place. There is joy when we worship him. There is joy when we open up the word of the Lord. Smile, there is joy. Hallelujah, there is joy in the Lord. In the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. We always say this, it goes beyond all of our experiences in life, all of the stuff that happens to us. All of the stuff that we walk through, all of the stuff, all those days that we never want to remember again. Every memory we want to forever forget. The joy of the Lord goes beneath. It supersedes. It goes above all of that. It transcends all of that. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. There is joy in His great name. God invites us to come hungry and thirsty because He wants us. He wants us to know life in all of its fullness. He wants us to find strength for all of our days. He wants to strengthen you. And he wants you to walk in joy. He wants you to walk in joy. And he wants you to live for the display of his splendor. That your life and strength and joy would resonate in the world around you. That people would see that the Lord is good. The Lord is good. There is life and strength and joy in his presence. Nothing pleases a parent more than to feed your children the best of food that you can find in your cupboards, let's be honest. But then to see the empty plates, that's not from my house. My plates are cleaner than that because we lick the plates in our house. I'm only joking. <laughs> I actually do sometimes, but I'm not. <laughs> There's nothing that pleases a parent more than to feed your children the best of foods to see your children devour what's in front of them, hungry eyes, hungry, hungry mouths, hungry hearts, and then to see them satisfied as they leave the dinner table. Think of our heavenly Father. His deepest desire is that we would come hungry to all that he has on offer for us. That we would come hungry, hungry for, hungry to be filled hungry for righteousness, hungry for his word, hungry for his presence, that we would be thirsty for streams of living water, thirsty for milk that will strengthen us, thirsty for wine that will fill us with joy in his presence. It's the heart of the Father. We're going to worship God. Let me invite our worship team forward. I'm going to pray in a moment. Let me finish with a challenge from Duncan Campbell again in this wonderful little book. Why don't you stand with me as we read this? Let's stand together. Our Heavenly Father knows where blessing is found. You do not need to worry. He knows where blessing is found. But I believe we're on to something with this series because I believe the blessing begins with hunger. Blessing begins with hunger. Hunger. The gap is the gift. 
My prayer is that the gap would close in your heart. That over these weeks, you individually, we as a church, would become ever increasingly hungry and thirsty for all that God has for us. Duncan Campbell writes this. Is there a hunger? Is there a cry? I've nothing, I've nothing, Lord, save a sense of need. Then he says this, bow in his presence and acknowledge it. Bring that vessel of honesty, sincerity, and true seeking after God, and the promise will be fulfilled where the Lord says, I will pour water upon him or her that is thirsty. If you want revival, he says, get right with God. If you're not prepared to bring that last piece, that getting right with God, for God's sake, stop talking about revival. Your talking and praying is but a laughing stock of devils. And then he says, it's about time we got into the grips of reality. And he poses the question, are we thirsty? Are we thirsty? Heavenly Father, we so desire to see you work in us, through us, among us, as a church. You know where blessing is found. Your word tells us of the blessing that is found in your presence. God, we pray that you would work within our hearts an ever-increasing appetite, a hunger and a thirsting for your righteousness for your presence, Lord God, for your word. Even today, Father, we pray that within this room, within this worship space, that even one person's heart would be set on fire like never before. Lord God, that you would set us on fire. Holy Spirit, come and set us on fire, we pray. Come and lead us deeper into everything that the Lord has for us. Lead us into your blessing, God. But Heavenly Father, we pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness because the promise is that we will be filled. We will be satisfied. Come, Spirit of God, and do that work within our hearts. We worship you now, King Jesus. You're worthy of every song that we could sing. Come, Spirit of God, set afar in the hearts of your people. May we worship you in spirit and in truth. For it's in Jesus' name we pray.